It's a lawless world. Podcasts fill the streets. It's up to two men who bring order to the chaos. The Hardcasters. Hello, everyone. We're back from the dead. Um... It's me, Dominic Duplum, and what's that smell? It's the rotting corpse of <laughs> Dick Versage. Hello, Dick. Hello. <laughs> Hello, yes. Rot- rotting away over here in my, yeah. my little crypt. We're, of course, talking about Universal Soldier again. We covered Universal Soldier last week. We very much enjoyed talking about it, and so we thought, why not do a follow-up podcast on Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning? which is a um, wonderful little um, action movie that is all kinds of weird. Um, So here we are uh, to do just that. Um, Dick, had you seen this film? No, I was just about to say, you know, we we don't have to justify why we're doing another Universal Soldier. This is our fucking, fucking podcast, so, you know... It's good. That's a very good point. (laughs) So, you know... Um, Yeah, we'll, 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 um, we'll do what we want. And we don't care if it, no one wants to listen. If it just ends up the two of us and, oh, I've, I've just checked the stats. It is it is just the yeah. two of us. <laughs> I was going to say, I think we're pushing it if it's, it's one person listening now. So yeah. Okay, great. Brilliant. Okay, let's carry on then. Universal Soldier Day of Reckoning. So, yes. So, no, I hadn't seen this. Um, I, I saw it on your, obviously, your recommendation. I knew mm. of it. I knew it existed. Mm. Um. I was aware of it, and I knew there were sequels of varying degrees of of quality. But then I, I watched it, and I didn't expect that at all. I did not expect what I watched no. at all, at all. It's a belter, yeah. Um, now I, I'm going to say that we're. Um, I think we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it quite briefly because I think, you know, I'm always cautious of using the word twist because using the word twist almost invariably ruins a twist if you know there is a twist then it ruins it and there isn't really a twist in this there is however a slow release of information that uh is part is important to the narrative and that if we told you what it was it wouldn't feel or seem remarkable but it would very much change your enjoyment of the film so i, I i'm going to talk very vaguely about specific plot points and to be honest you know the plot itself isn't actually massively important. No. Um, but what we'll talk about is is things like the tone. Yeah. Uh, uh, we'll talk a lot about Scott Adkins and um, the kind of how Dolph Lundgren and Jean Claude Van Damme are used in this. Yeah, because I don't, I don't think that's a secret, is it? I don't think how Van Damme is used is. I think that's quite explicit in the in the kind of you know cover art and the explanations of the trailers, isn't it? I think that's yeah. that's not too and much for... of a shock. Well, it no. is when you first come into it, but it's not it's not hidden away, really, is it? The market of the film. Yeah. So um, to give you an indication of 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 why we're kind of beating around the bush here, and why we're talking about tone, um, you know, as we clearly set out in last week's podcast, Universal Soldier is about smooth bottom, potato eating, Luke Devereaux, um, you know, slow motion roundhouse kicking, uh, Andrew Scott played by Dolph Lundgren as two reanimated super soldiers 
driving around in cyber trucks and blowing the shit out of things. And and um, everybody knows that Luke yeah, Devereaux. Everywhere. And if they didn't before, they do now. Uh, so fast forward to Universal Day, uh, Soldier Day of Reckoning, and we open with a point of view shot of a horrific home invasion where our lead character's wife and daughter are shot in the head. Yeah. That, uh, I wasn't it's... expecting that whatsoever. I was like, "Yeah, good God!" I mean, it's uh, it's genuinely it's quite unsettling, quite creepy. It's, when it's he's, really he's, unsettling, actually, it's, it's very ca- unsettling. It's very disturbing. <clears throat> yeah, it's almost um, and, it's and kind of horror tropes a little bit. It's it kind of plays a lot with yeah. horror tropes and almost like kind of David Lynch style kind of camera flashes well, and stuff. See. This is the problem, is that, I, I, you know, I'm going to probably use the term Lynchian a lot, possibly incorrectly. I know there'll be some diehard Lynch fans who will not appreciate the use of that, but again, fuck them, this is our podcast. Um, and they ain't listening to at this. Least, <laughs> uh, yeah, at, at least by, um, at least by <laughs> action film standards, this is, you know, I think the term is appropriate. So yeah, the opening is really jarring and disturbing and intense. And really not sort of befitting the tone we're used to in these movies, and um, that's that kind of is how the film is maintained throughout. It's pretty tough and grueling and lurid and kind of icky, but not in an exploitative way. So really, I mean, all we can really say is that Scott Adkins plays our our lead hero, mm. uh, John. That's all he's known as. Uh, he, he awakes from his coma with the memory of his wife and kid being killed. And what we will say is that at the end of that sort of nightmarish sequence, it's revealed that it's Luke Devereaux that has shot his wife and kid. Mm. So the mystery is, what's up with Devereaux? Has he had too much mashed potato? Has his bottom lost its smoothness and he's struggling to cope? What has caused him to burst into this guy's home and kill his wife and kid? And so John essentially goes on a mission to try and hunt down Luke Devereaux. Now, alongside this, we have Dolph Lundgren's Andrew Scott, who seems to be hanging out in a brothel with a bunch of Universal soldiers. Um, This was all very... I didn't expect this as well, considering it came off the back of quite a horrific home invasion scene, which is quite disturbing. And then all of a sudden, it goes into... We kind of have a tracking shot where we follow... um, I don't want to say the lead whore because I'm sure that's not what she's credited in the IMDb cast. But we we have a we have a tracking I, I, shot. I would say I would say the protagonist sex worker. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good good term. Yeah, uh, mm. lead lead sex worker one. We follow her through mm. the, the kind of corridors and a tracking shot. Which she, then she visits into very different rooms. Again, possibly a bit lynching because we kind of go into this room and there's in each room, almost Cronenberg. Actually, it goes a bit David Cronenberg. It's, each room, something pretty vile is going on. Some mm. rooms are almost like a softcore porn film. One feels like a hardcore porn film, the way it's shot, mm. which is just completely... It just Again, it smash cuts to that, and it's like, whoa, hang on. Mm. Another one, someone's getting his hand nailed to a board, which kind of is a bit body horror. It's just a very mm. strange sequence of events. And at the end of it, Dolph Lundgren's kind of the lead... And he's kind of sat in a room, clearly, you know, loving life. Mm. But 
um, it's just a very strange sequence. But again, it's very jarring considering what we've just seen as well. It's almost introducing this character. Yeah. Very odd. Very odd. But in shot quite nicely. But yeah. So this scene of kind of uh, perversion and lurid sexuality and all this kind of stuff is interrupted by what appears to be uh, another universal soldier and again we as you rightly pointed out no one ever uses the term universal soldier nope, and not we once. are assuming these people are because they just seem to be indestructible and have super strength and what have you and mm. um, this one's played by a guy called and i'm going to try and get the name right andre arlovsky who i believe is a mma fighter who was in universal soldier regeneration and he shoots up the place and tries to kill dolph lundgren Donald's live and kicks the shit out of him and then frees him of some degree of government programming. And then the next time we meet this character, he is attacking uh, Scott uh, Adkins' character. Now, what's important to note here is you probably get to a point where you're not entirely sure what's going on, who, what Dolph Lundgren is doing with all these these Universal Soldiers, what they're talking about. And to be honest, it doesn't... They... they I think there's a mix of things. One, the filmmakers are crediting you with a level of intelligence not often credited to action audiences, which is good. Mm. And two, I think a lot of the incidental plot things aren't necessary. There is this sense of just strangeness and oddness. Yeah. Um, but essentially, there is a, you know, there is a group of Universal soldiers who feel abandoned by the military program. Uh, Luke Devereaux and Andrew Scott have essentially formed uh like a cult or like a terrorist group there's very kind of taliban-esque um elements to them and the government seem to be sending people to kill them mm. in amidst all this we have the mystery of why john's kids have been wife and kids have been killed how he can suddenly start to know that he's good at martial arts and has super strength and essentially ever drawing between a confrontation between him and Luke Devereaux. Um, and so, like I say, there's no real moment of... There's a couple of reveals, but there's no more big, big twists. It just... You really don't have a sense of what's happening Nothing. pretty much until the final scene, even, like, post-finale. And, and I think that's really impressive. So, first off, you know, we're here for action. The action's great in this. It's very different tonally. But there's lots of long takes. It's very brutal. It's a bit of a slow burn rants. as well at the start, isn't it? You you expect we follow Scott Atkins kind of going into a couple of bars, um, yeah. and you there's a scene where you think right shit's gonna go down now. He gets mm. he gets insulted by a kind of blue collar kind of hick like character, and you mm. think right he's gonna show off now, and he walks away, and that happens another. T- another two occasions and it's almost yeah. like they it kind of slows right after the frenetic opening of the home invasion and the sex palace or whatever it is after that mm. it starts to slow down and we kind of get like kind of drip fed tense scenes and action scenes yeah which i think actually pays off at the end for me it kind well, of works it means that yeah when when scott adkins character suddenly realizes what he's capable of and we have a fight in a sports uh, store. Good God. Then, what a fight. Then it is. It. So there is a car chase. And again, the other thing I noticed is there's very little music in this. It's mostly played non-diegetic or otherwise. Mm. I mean, the car chase is played with no background music. The fight, they, they have a crash. Um, the sort of assassin unisol character played by Andre uh, Alovsky 
who we saw getting kind of freed of his programming by Andrew Scott at the start, uh, kind of throws Scott Adkins' John into this sports store and starts kicking him around. And it, and as throughout the fight, Scott Adkins' character suddenly realises that he's capable of doing some acrobatic shit and is super strong. Um, so even up to that point, it's a pretty good, brutal fight. And then they start fighting with sporting goods, I think he punches a bowling ball out of the sky and it shatters. Yeah. And he starts throwing this guy around and we get a glimpse of Scott Atkins' acrobatic martial arts ability. Only a glimpse. I mean, he's capable. If anyone's seen any of the Undisputed films, they'll know what this guy can do. Uh, he gets off a pretty good, uh, good few moves. But the, the action is really well choreographed and shot. It's really fast, really brutal. They're basically sword fighting with baseball bats. But like aluminium baseball bats... Um, which is pretty cool. And just when you think it's over, Scott Atkins turns around and hits the guy's head off of his shoulders with the baseball bat. Just smashes it off. It's not done in a way like a comedy, you know, whoop, is no. it? It's done like yeah. he smashed his skull open. Like a, He looks like a fucking Easter egg. It's yeah. literally like he's like a little piñata. It, it is. He fucking Humpty Dumpty's him. He does. He absolutely <laughs> wallops him. Cracks his head wide. It is. Yeah. Wallop. Wallop. There he is. Um, that should have been in there. It's great. Yeah, he's so good. So good. And then. So good. Really, we don't have a lot of action until Scott Adkins makes his way to the final compound. And then it's again. Um, I mentioned last week that the, the film that preceded this, also directed by John Hyams, Features a long single take action sequence. This one does as well. Lots of hidden cuts, but it's essentially Atkins walking around a network of K's just fucking people up yep. in a really satisfying way. And at times, you know, really nicely choreographed stuff. And other times, just kneeling on someone's chest and repeatedly punch them in the face until they are dead. Um, some gunplay, some explosive stuff. Bit of knife stuff as well, isn't there? Bit of knifey, knifey, knifey. Then he gets to fight Dolph Lundgren. Now, Dolph Lundgren, I, I wanna, I, I'm going to bring this up a little bit because, I, I, you know, we're very used to seeing actors who are in their prime have a bit of time away from the kind of big screen, maybe do some straight-to-video stuff, and then you kind of see, well, they're, they're not being necessarily challenged uh, in terms of the choreography, probably because a lot of these films are made with very little money and with very little time, and that coupled with age means that you you kind of very rarely see the initial flair they used to have. Mm. And I think, firstly, Dolph Lundgren in this holds his own with everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Bear in mind, his two fights with Scott Adkins and a professional MMA fighter, mm. and he's completely convincing that he could take them both on. The yeah. fight he has in the brothel earlier, he just throws the guy about. And it's not like he's making a gesture and the stuntman's doing all the work. You know, he looks really convincing in what he's doing. Yeah. And the fight he has with Scott Adkins, I mean, they go toe-to-toe. I mean, obviously, Dolph Lundgren's not doing any of the acrobatic stuff, but it's a pretty violent fight. He's getting stabbed, and then knives pulled out of him and stabbed back into him again. He's roaring his head off and having a great old time. It's really good, and he's used really well. Now, I remember first seeing this, my worry was, well, what happens when Scott Adkins meets Van Damme? Because, hmm. you know, and I'm a big as big a Van Damme fan as anyone else, but... If you go back and watch Van Damme's classic films like AWOL and what have you, what I've noticed as someone who 
you know, has a has a reasonable understanding of how films are made and shot and how fight scenes are choreographed and what have you. Not an expert by any stretch of imagination, but you can see that actually he only throws about three kicks. They've just repeated them from different <clears> angles over and over and over and over again. I mean, there's a fight scene in the swimming pool in AWOL where I'm pretty sure Van Damme literally only throws four punches and kicks. Yeah. But the way it's just shot and slow motion. Now, that's incredibly exciting. It's incredibly visceral. But then you've got someone like Scott Adkins, who's throwing three kicks every second, doing backflips, jumping off, you know, double somersaulting and landing kick, doing guyver kicks and all this kind of stuff. And you think, I can't see how the two of them, either Atkins is going to have to slow right down, yep. or Van Damme's going to just be doubled the whole time. And I'm sure he did have a double, but i got to say, it's probably, you know, since... Probably since Universal Soldier, it's probably Van Damme's best fight scene. Yeah. I mean, it's properly convincing and brutal, and he still gets you know some of his signature moves. The, I mean, he doesn't do the splits or punch someone in the balls or anything like that. But I mean, he's he's got a few, few good kicks in there. His kind of trademark kind of snap punches in there a few times. And at no point do you think a re you know Scott Adkins slowing down or Van Damme having a noticeable body double certainly not like he's got a knockoff i mean the, the body double he's got a knockoff is complete is a completely different human being it's a, it's a knockoff isn't it it's a knockoff stuntman um, yeah, yeah um so yeah it's really really good it's a really good finale and one that made me think oh no they both these people this could have been them in their prime if anything they're moving faster and more powerfully than they ever did yeah. Um, which is really, really impressive. I was going to say, I think as well, it's quite nice. I mean, obviously, the, the Dolph Lundgren fight, he gets to bring out the catchphrase from Universal Soldier. He gets to shout, that's mm. the spirit soldier, which is quite a nice little throwback. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It, I don't want to use the word cameo because yeah. I don't. I think that's unfair on both of them because the, I think they get used sparingly in this film. I think yeah. Lundgren gets very little screen time. Um, but yeah. when he does, like you say, it's very impactful. Like he he looks imposing, he looks kind of super fit, and he kind of has that impact. Van Damme's kind of in the shadows quite a bit. You don't really see mm. him. You just see him in, in kind of weird. I'm going to steal this from you. Lynch, Lynchian kind of kind of um, mm. flashing lights and dark backgrounds. Yeah. Um, so when he does appear, like when he does kind of like you say at the end, it's almost like, oh, actually, it's not It's not a glorified cameo. He's actually here to pull out, you know, do the big work. I do yeah. want to hover over one thing, though, that he's not a very happy chap in this film. He looks like Uncle Fester. He looks, <laughs> he looks very... He looks like someone's taking away his mashed potatoes. He looks very sad, very kind of, like, dead-eyed. Um, yeah. Which I worried that he wasn't mm. going to put in any performance in towards the end, but he did, so that kind of saved it. But I think going back to the smooth arse thing, looking the way he does in this, I think it probably looks more like cold porridge now. His arse cheeks probably resemble a bowl uh, of cold uh, porridge. You know, I think it was a good choice not to not to get them out. So yeah. we're just left with the memory yeah. rather than the, the sad truth. I mean, I'm not, you know, he keeps himself in shape. Um, uh, he released a series of workout videos, home workout videos during lockdown, yeah. which were bizarre. Um, but uh, so, you know, uh, who are we to judge? Um, yeah. And I think what's interesting as well is, and this is never really explained, that it's just alluded to that these people are kind of living what is essentially an immortal life to some degree. Yeah. And they're just 
bored of life. I mean, there's a real sense of Scott's just gone mad and Devro's just all the life has drained out of him, which is really interesting. And when we get to the end, they're both wearing kind of bizarre war paint, mm. which is never really explained. I mean, I love Dolph Lundgren's outfit in this is mental. But um, Van Damme, I mean, half his face, he's, he's shaved bald. Mm. Half his face from kind of like the top lip up is white, like clown paint, like yeah. completely all over every area of skin. And then from the mouth down is black paint. And I was trying to think, well, you know, and it's never explained why he's doing that. And we never see him other than the opening scene without it. And I was wondering whether, I don't know. Like, I get the sense that the mashed potato has gone from his life, if I may, you know, use this metaphor. But then I start wondering, what if he's got so bored, he's done this to play games with the rest of the Universal Soldiers? I imagine him laying a table, a fluffy white mashed potato on a black tablecloth. And then with that makeup, him just leaving his head in between two plates to see if people can spot what's mashed potato and what's, <laughs> what's Luke Devereaux. <laughs> and I, 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 I like to imagine that one of the new recruits comes in and sort of makes a kind of, oh, it looks like a boiled egg reference, and Devereaux just standing up and just flipping the table over. Yeah. And mashed potato. Yeah. And that's why he's so grumpy. Um and the the new guy's like, what did I say? And they're like, no, no, no. It's all, don't ever. He hates eggs. <laughs> yeah, he, he hates them. Yeah, he can't say that not around his mashed potatoes. No, no, no. Um, yeah, there's 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 some really interesting kind of visual stuff. I mean, I think they're going for a, a sense of Colonel Kurtz esque uh, with him, but I love the fact that it's it does not make explaining everything its business. It's no. just like this is what it is. You're either on board or fuck off and watch an Expendables movie. Yeah. Which, you know, that's not to say that we don't enjoy the Expendables movies, but it's, it's a, you know, I would say this is not your traditional action movie. No. Um, but don't let that put you off because once the action picks up, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Um, tonal stuff, yeah. I mean, we've made the, the, the thing. It's really grim. It's not forthcoming with with information, as you said. There's some really in, like bizarre f- sequences where, like almost like epilep- epilepsy inducing, mm, really is uh, sequences where flashing lights and people appear within the in um, just really interesting visual stuff creating, and it's beautifully shot. I mean, this one, even just them walking through woods mm. looks incredible. It looks like a far more expensive movie than I than I. I reckon it was. Yeah. And I can't what my what I think the thing that strikes me is the most interesting thing is how they convince people to make this like a sequel to a film that to an established franchise is going no no no. We're not going to do anything you're used to. We are just going to fuck around. Yeah. In this weird abstract kind of world. You know, it's such a weird um pitch and yeah. so unusual for it to happen and not to result to or revert back to traditional tropes and cliche stuff. It is generally like no action film you're, you're going to see. I mean, that's a good thing. There's no, I mean, obviously the first one was kind of a bit of a, you know, it's, it's an action film, but it had lots of sci-fi elements, didn't it? It's can lots of, can it play to a lot of the sci-fi. There's no sci-fi elements in this whatsoever. Like there's no, there's no hint no. that they're controlled by machinery. There's no hint mm. about the thing they've got to keep warm or cold. That's not alluded to at all. Mm. Andrew Scott comes back for the third time, I believe, but they never talk about 
cloning or anything. They don't mention that one bit. He, we just expect that he's here and he's appeared. So yeah. there's no, there's nothing. In the, and like I said, they don't even mention the Universal Soldier or Unisol in there at no. all. It's almost um, kind of a covert thing, isn't it? It's, it yeah. And, and where they do sort of, where it's clear something science fictiony must have happened hmm. to bring people back, they just kind of allude or assume you can you can work that out for yourself. Yeah, um, it's it's great. Now again, before we move on, uh, I think I'm just going to bang on about Scott Adkins some more because I've talked, I've mentioned his name a few times in the, in this podcast over the few weeks we've done this. I, I you know, I've spent so long kind of thinking there's no more action stars. Like there was a point in the nineties where your Van Dams and your Lundgrens and your Seagals kind of stopped making straight to video stuff or or there wasn't the interest there. Um and got largely relegated to really cheap stuff in the kind of early two thousands. Where Stallone and Schwarzenegger were off doing other things and trying new things. And then he, Scott Atkins comes along and is everything you want from a mainstream action star times a hundred. And the fact, well, here's the thing: the fact that he's not a bigger star is both frustrating, mm. but also good because if he was a big star, he'd be in Fast and Furious movies. And you know, I love those films as much as anyone else for their bonkersness. But Adkins mm. is making traditional action martial arts movies. Mm. It's two guys who know what they're fucking doing, fighting, and he knows how to shoot it. He knows how how he looks good on camera and how best to capture his manoeuvres. So it's none of this shaky cam shit. You know, you really get into good stuff. And he's made some absolute belters of films. The the Undisputed 2, 3, and 4, particularly 3, where he fights a guy called Marco Zorora, who's also an incredible martial artist, is... Just an amazing film. Just a really, really great action movie. I, I That's your first port of call. I'm going to say Revengeance. Or is it, no, sorry. I'm saying Revengeance. It's Avengement. Avengement. Accident Man are both kind of set in the UK, in London. And I've sort of said to Dick, they're like EastEnders meets The Raid. Um, they're just proper down-to-earth bar fights and, and kind of... We, we are... We are going to pitch, folks, EastEnders meets The Raid. You know, that's coming. Phil Mitchell basically taking down, you know, a yeah, yeah. six-story prison, just a knife and a, and a frying pan uh, for, for an hour and a half. That we're, we're pitching the shit out of that in a few weeks' time. That That is a film that we, we've... The, the only reason we do this podcast is to get to the point where we get to pitch <laughs> that movie. Yep. Um, and we're just waiting for the film that kind of it fits with thematically the best so as soon as we go to a british action film believe me that's what you're getting pitched um so yeah scott atkins is the real deal he's made there's a couple of films called debt collectors which are less about kind of flashy martial arts but he's really good in them just i can't say enough about the guy his web series the art of action is just a joy he gets to talk to some of the hardest working stuntmen and fight choreographers people that work with jackie chan he gets to talk to Dolph Lundgren, Tony Jaa, a, a bunch of people, and he, it's very clear that everyone. Even got to did an interview with Seagal recently, which wasn't a car crash. You know, Seagal seemed like a normal human being, and they they get they go through clips from action movies. They talk about behind the scenes stuff, and you get a real insight into what goes into making these. 
and not just how physically gifted these people are, but how smart they are. That, that this is not just two people just thrashing away each other. There's real artistry in this. So uh, I'm not done talking about Scott Adkins yet, because we've got to pick some more of his films. Oh, absolutely. But we've if, got to if, bang if, his drums some more, basically, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. But if um, if you're not familiar with his work, that's I would say rectify that now. If you're into old-style action movies... Um, I'd say start with Undisputed 3 and then hit... If the other one's the Phil Mitchell uh, raid action film yeah. that we're going to make. Yeah. Hit those films up. They are... You, you, you won't regret it. But anyway, Universal Soldier, uh, Day of Reckoning is bonkers. It's unlike any action movie you've seen before and I can't recommend it enough. Stick with it. Don't expect to be given, you know... It's not plot-based. It's not going to give you exposition. It's not going to tell you what's going on. Just sit back, let it wash over you, and let it build to its uh, inevitable climax, um, which is one of extreme violence uh, and kind of nihilism. Yeah. And no mashed potatoes. No mashed potatoes whatsoever is eaten in this film. And like I said, like the sci-fi element, the mashed potato is just implied. Yeah. It's alluded to. Let's move on to some keywords. Um, last week, we uh, uh, enriched the Universal Soldier entry on IMDb with Cyber Lorry, <laughs> Mashed Potato, and Fetal Bottom. <laughs> uh, they have all been approved. Yes, of they, course they of course they have. So the keywords on here. Now, again, there is a lot of keywords here. Murder of a Nude Man. Is that not a, an Aerosmith song? It is, um, yes. Yeah. Now, some some prick has put cringe in here as well. Oh. I don't know who that is. What a twat. Um, male frontal nudity. We can confirm it's not Van Damme's, but you do see a winkle in this. You do. You see yeah. a little willy winkle. Um, <laughs> little unisol winkle. <laughs> yeah. Um, lots of stuff referring to blood. Blood on face, blood on floor, blood on wall, blood spatter, blood... Uh, bloodshed uh, I'm going to try and make sure I read ahead a little bit because I don't want to give anything away killed with machete mercilessness Ooh. neon sociopath very little dialogue uh, underground complex machete in the head yeah camera footage ransacked apartment axe fight oh the axe fight we didn't talk about that oh that is that's the... amazing that is there's incredible a, there's a, there's a, there was at least three points in this film where I where I winced, like physically winced at what I was seeing. Um, so, yeah, balaclava, that's important. Plumber, glad they yep. put that in there. Yeah. So, now, here's the thing. I Part of me, because a lot of the films we've, we've watched over the last few um, weeks, we have a kind of, we, we know, uh, they're like a, an old friend. You can... You can comfortably give them a ribbing, have a mm. bit of banter, but you love them really. And so, you know, putting in silly keywords is all good fun. I genuinely think this is a good movie, and part of me feels bad putting in silly keywords. So I've, like, I've there's got nothing a very really silly to make one. fun of. I've got a very silly one, so I, I can chuck that Let's, in there if you want. I mean, do it, yeah, go. Humpty Dumpty. Oh, yes. <laughs> Done. That's in. Mashed potato in capital letters, no... 
I'm, I'm going to put no mashed <laughs> potato. Is there anything whorehouse related we can put in there? There, yeah. I mean, there are some keywords that get a bit focused on female nudity and and sexual violence in there. So, um, I, what what's um, I'm going to put sad face because Van Dam has got a very sad face. <laughs> he has, he has. So Humpty Dumpty, no mashed potato, and sad face. Now, um, very excited to introduce what could be a new regular segment to our podcast. Dun, dun, dun. Um, because last week we we mentioned that um, how disappointed I am that I've never been able to own or play the Running Man home game, which even when I saw that film as a kid, I thought that's exactly the kind of game I want. I, I, um, and it doesn't exist. It never existed. So we thought we'd try out uh, not just pitching movies, but pitching merchandise either ripped from the films themselves or based around them and i think we would you know i think for weeks following this we'd look at the film we were studying and consider what inappropriate merchandise would be made i think that uh, a wonderful line of action figures would would fit really well with universal soldier day of reckoning yes i imagine um a kind of late 90s like the last action hero and Terminator 2 and Stargate figures were kind of blocky figures with no points of articulation. Yeah, that's right. Really yeah, big yeah. Place of weapon. I imagine they'd look like that and one of them would have a baseball bat swing in action and another one's head would pop off. Yeah. That's it, what it, I kind of Another like. one, you could remove its foot as well because he gets his foot chopped off and you could have that in there as well. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'd like to imagine the Van Damme one, you could just push his head down so only his eyes are peeking out the top of his head kind of like the old ghostbusters scare ones yeah i'd quite like i'd quite like as well the the whorehouse play set so you can have yes. like you know different rooms and you can go in and you know and you press buttons and they do different things i think yeah. that'd be really really cool like a that'd like great, a yeah. amsterdam but, version of castle gray school yes yes um but we're not we're not going to be talking about that we are we thought well, today since it's what started off we talk about the running man home game so when you uh, saw that pop up on screen uh, when you were a youngster, what did you imagine that game would be when, when, those, when those contestants took it home and unpacked it with the family? What would come out of the box? What would that look like set up on the table? I think it, it, I think it'd look a bit like Mousetrap. That's it, exactly what I... Yeah. It'd be a board game. Obviously, because it you know it's, it looks like a very eighties, very eighties yeah. board game. But you, basically, it takes yeah. you about six hours to put it together, like Mousetrap does. And yeah. it's just a series yeah. of like different parts, and kind of I'm, I'm thinking like you can build another level onto it, where there's traps and yeah. you know Sub Zero's little bits got little movable cages, and a, and a fat man you can push along who kind of has got a sharp blade. Um, yeah, I, yeah, it looks very mouse trappy to me. Yeah, that's exa- that's exactly what I imagined. Um, I'm, I, I imagine or either that or Ghost Castle. Yes, I was thinking that as well. Separation, and you've got a little plastic uh, stand, and you slot a cardboard Ben Richards in, <laughs> and you move them along. Now, part of me also thinks though, and you know, the box is very small, so I reckon it would be a, a cheap knockoff. But what I would like to see as a Running Man home game. I think there are two options here. I do like the idea of what you're saying of having very different zones. I like the idea of um, kind of 
the Sub-Zero thing almost being like an air hockey. You know, like those home air hockey sets? Yes. Like, each zone is almost like a different game. Yeah, yeah, So yeah. you actually have to, you know, one of you Sub-Zero, and it's just a little plastic disc with the uh, guy who played Sub-Zero, yeah. his face on, on the disc, and then you've got Ben Rich, and you have to fire it past him and get it in to a thing. And if your one gets knocked down uh, a groove down the side, they're out of the game. Mm. And then you move on to uh, the Buzzsaw one, and uh, I, th- I can't imagine what that would be. Maybe almost some kind of like little scale electrics thing where you... I think it'd be a little race track, yeah. yeah. And there's a chainsaw yeah. that pops up if you hit a certain point. I'd quite yeah. like to think Absolutely. as well, because it's, it's quite a catchphrase-heavy film. So you know some board games, late 80s, mm. early 90s, that you've got a VHS tape with it, and you had to play yes. and pause it at certain points. I reckon you'd have that. So Damon Killian would be like... Um, you know, yeah. shout! He'd, he'd come on and go like, "We're going to move to zone two um, and just kind of come out with you know, those kind of mental catchphrases. Yeah, and I think if you get killed in one zone, you have to go back to the previous zone. Yeah, I'm actually yeah. I'm now picturing it like Ghost Ghost Castle, and then when you get to the end, you have to go up the thing and you have to launch Killian down a ramp in a little. Yes, although that wouldn't be in the game in the film because they wouldn't make a game about him being killed by Ben Richards. But anyway. <laughs> It's in our game. It's in our game. I think that would be good. I th- I would buy that. Now, having said that, that would be really expensive to make because it's got lots of motorized moving parts. I mean, that's the dream game, yeah. right? Yeah. I think, actually, what you've got is more like um, a kind of Monopoly-style thing where you've got four zones. Mm. Um, in each zone, you have... You know, you roll your dice, you move on to a space. There are... You know, spaces where you draw cards that are good for you. There are spaces that draw cards that are bad, and that can often involve, yeah, that you know, buzzsaw will pop out or sub-zero, and uh, the other players get to choose. Like in the in the in the show, they get to choose who they want to come out, hmm. and that will just chase you around the board until you get out of the zone. I, I imagine th- that's kind of what it would be. I think you'd have little safe zones as well that you go to, and you kind of earn money or points. To further yourself. So if you land on a square, I think mm. it's like a safe zone. But you land on the square, and it's got Mick Fleetwood's face on the square, and he's kind of that's yeah. his little kind of you know safe zone for where the rebels yeah. are, um, and you get points or some shit that you can just move on to the next yeah. part. Um, um, and there'd, there'd be lots of cut cadre cola adverts around yeah. it. You'd you'd get that, and in the center square where you escape is the Mao, Maui son. Uh, and you have Whitman Price and Houdad there yeah. basking under it, yeah, um, be, waiting for you. Yeah, and they'd be, you know, kind of the end of it, they'd be you'd kind of little Hawaii music plays. Can it also yeah. come with a special clip-on climbing for dollars zone? Because I'd always yes. want to see that as some sort of, you know, basically you just kind of go around the pit and then you've, you're like Ghost Castle, you just fall into a little pit of hungry Alsatians. I, I, I think climbing for dollars will be a bit like Hungry Hippos in that you put a character on a rope and you have to press a button, almost like Scribble Scramble, and work them up yeah. the But then everyone else is hitting things and little plastic dogs are standing. <laughs> um, and money's falling out and yeah. the more money you get, the better. Um that's what I imagine that again. I think the Running Man. I think you know, speaking now as an adult who and you know, I think both of us are victims to capitalist brainwashing. I think we both like stuff. Mm. We both have a DVD collection. I know for a fact 
that in the last two, maybe three weeks, both of us have purchased a Skeletor action figure. <laughs> yep. Um, we're in our forties, and yep. we both purchased that. Um, so we'd love this. So I, you know, I, I, I'm surprised that the Running Man, in amongst all this kind of retro stuff that's coming out, and all these obscure films, has somehow not still got no merchandise attached to it. No action figures, no board game, no video game, um, nothing. You know, and I always want. You know what I always wanted? I always wanted one of those gold running suits. I think they look really cool. As yeah, yeah, those look. Do you imagine going going for a jog in that? He'd look amazing. I know. I mean, to be fair, I mean that was eight. I always think 1987. For me, I know he did Terminator in '84 and Terminator Two in '92, but for me. Peak Schwarzenegger was 87 because he did mm. Predator and The Running Man. And in both of those films, he looks the absolute bollocks. He looks like an action figure in those films. Like yeah. in Predator, when he gets off the chopper and he's got like a Ralph Lauren Polo shirt on, but he looks like just mm. such a, just a, he looks like a superhero come to life. And in Running Man, he looks, he's got like a garish Adidas yellow suit mm. and he looks awesome in it. And it's just like, you know, you know, you know when they like release a line of Batman action figures, and they don't want to sell just one Batman, so they have Batman in power armor and Batman yeah. underwater, and these weird colours. He looks like one of those Batman costumes, just without the cape and cow. Yeah. like that's Batman, fire retardant Batman or something. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah flamethrower yeah. Batman. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Brilliant. And I want a Damon Killian action figure that you can just launch <laughs> in a little car. Yeah. Um, and he's, you, you, he's got interchangeable heads, one normal and one where his face is all stretched back because of the G-force. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He basically looks like an old Ken doll. He's got, like, you know, wiry grey <laughs> yeah. hair and just orange yeah. and, like, a sparkly suit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So just someone um, out there make them. Make the yeah. shit out of them. If not an action figure line, someone get on a running man game. Um, was like I said a, last week. Was there a computer game? I mean, there probably was. There's like Commodore 64 era. There's probably a Running Man. Um, let me look it up. Because I had the Commodore 64 Predator, which was shit. Because all it was was you were Dutch and you was a side squad. You walked through the jungle. And then all of a sudden, a red triangle had hit on you. You'd have to run away from it as fast as you could. And then you were in the next zone. But my, the joystick never worked, and you always got stuck with a red triangle, and he died very quickly. So it was utter shit. There is a Running Man Amiga game, um, and it looks... I mean, it's, it's probably going to be shit, but it looks kind of better than it has, <laughs> has any right to be. Um, so yes, there's an Amiga game. So you might be able to find... You're definitely able to find a demo of it like on YouTube. You might be able to find a playable version on some kind of... Uh, emulator which we're, we're not condoning we're not condoning emulators by the way just fyi no, no. they're wrong no no we're not at all and but um we're not going to be continuing with this podcast until we fully investigated that illegal activity I, I, of course yeah because the, like, the yeah, law, so. law law justice enforcers that we are absolutely absolutely um you don't find any justice seekers or law enforcers picking and choosing the rules for their own benefit that's very very Never. true
so it's now time to uh, pitch you uh, a movie, the best movie uh, that you've never seen, like many of our others. And we thought today we, you know, since Day of Reckoning is uh, a kind of belated Universal Soldier sequel that has some massive changes in tone and does some really interesting things with the characters, we thought, why not pitch the next film in the Universal Soldier canon? Um, so, Dick, you've had some ideas on this already. Um, do you want to tell us about them before we head to the title generator? So I had a, a thought on this one. So obviously with the, with the change of tone and the change of genre and the change of kind of atmosphere completely from the first one, because I mm. ignored really that the, the other sequels in between. I didn't, I, you know, I've not delved into the, the Universal Soldiers of Return. I've not delved into the CV sequels. I went from... Universal Soldier 1 to this, so the change of tone is brilliant. So I think that, you know, kind of any future sequels, that massive change of tone. So mm. I took that as a starting point, and I took the idea, especially Van Damme, looking very, very grumpy and very yeah, sort of, you know, just, oh, yeah, just uh, the world, he's just had enough of everything. So my idea is they basically Andrew Scott and Luke Devereaux are still around um and basically they they fought, they've had a falling out over mashed potato or or some comment they made about Van Damme's yeah. arse in the shower yeah um and they've set up rival businesses so basically right. the entire film is kind of like grumpy old men trying to sabotage each other's business using any means necessary, using industrial espionage, in using traps, uh, bad bad reviews, just any form, and they just get increasingly grumpy with each other. Um, I'm thinking they run rival bureau de changes um, <laughs> uh, <coughs> yes. because they're international gentlemen, so I, I yeah. kind of went for that international flavour. Um, and I think they just kind of try and one-up each other all the time. And there's a... Love interest. I'm going to chuck a love interest in there as well. So it's a bit grumpy old men uh, meets, uh, you know, kind of Universal Soldier meets, uh, you know, kind of one of those holiday films where two blokes are competing each other against, you know, who's got the best Christmas house. So it's a bit yeah. a bit of all that in there, and they're trying to woo a lady with their rival Bureau de Chandres. I love it. I love it. Because, I mean, the only other idea I had is that I imagine it being like The Office and that Universal Soldier is now so commonplace and so that they're just in everyday mundane life and they're working in a generic office. Only when they have office drama, it's considerably more impactful because they're super soldiers with yeah. aggression issues. So, I mean, we could even have elements where this is shot like a documentary and they have like <laughs> talking heads where they actually directly address the camera yeah. about what the other one's doing. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that. Okay, so uh, we're going to use the title generator for this, but we are prefacing this with it's Universal Soldier colon. And when I say that, I don't mean Universal Soldier colon. That's not the it's not yeah. the arses, although we have spent a lot of time talking about <laughs> A lot. Uh, yeah, uh, it's Universal Soldier colon, and then whatever the title is going to spit up. It. Do, I mean, we, we've got plenty of license here because just... Other than the fact they're going to be locked into mundane lifestyles and incredibly petty, hmm. it can go anywhere. So, here we go. I'm cranking up 
the old generator. And off we go. Universal Soldier. Court of Supermen. <laughs> done uh, and done. <laughs> uh, f- fancy Woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, this probably won't work so well, but uh, Escape the Karate Owl. <laughs> Owl? Brilliant. <laughs> Owl. Um, deadly Piss. Uh, misplaced Gunship. Case of the Sumo Leopards. Mafia Hounds. Deformed Trouble. Executive Fruit. Naked Challenge. Uh, smelly Bullet. Uh, executive Connection. International Decision. That could work. Dirt, dirty Legs. Unacceptable Behaviour. That, that, that could be a good one. Unacceptable Behaviour. <laughs> I think that let's let's put a pin in that one. That's yeah. definitely it. Uh, uh, unwanted rider, disturbed legacy, sex ninjas. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I mean, I think I think unacceptable behaviour. Or yes, the the title the title generator is getting thrown up. A wonderful one. Massive shit. <laughs> 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 Could have massive shits. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Um, throbbing motherfuckers is another good one. Brilliant. But I think, really, considering, late Lady Rumble's good. Um, but uh, yeah, basically, I think unacceptable behaviour is is the one. So thank you, generator. So. Universal Soldier, Unacceptable Behaviour. Mm-hmm. Luke Devereaux and Andrew Scott uh, have come out of their lifestyle numbed by years of conflict and being kept in perpetual trauma related to Vietnam have turned their back on the soldiering lifestyle. Um, they've not reconciled their own differences. They are still trapped in their eternal battle. Mm-hmm. Only they've transferred it from the heat of the battlefield into opposing Bureau de Changes uh, in, let's say, Milton Keynes? I was going to say LA, but yeah, let's go Milton Keynes. <laughs> I Yeah, I think like an industrial park or a high street in, in somewhere like Milton Keynes um, would be good. Um, and I like the fact that they're they're on opposite sides of the high street. Oh, absolutely, like dead opposite, jump. like really dead opposite. Um, I, I I quite like the idea that in the, the, the we have a cold open that is yeah. basically like it's not a fight between two; they've just bickering. So it yeah. starts off where they're at opposite tables and they're having a row, and um, what um, Andrew Scott says, well, you know, go on then, fuck off, see how you get on your own. And Luke Devereaux says, "All right, I will, and I'm going to open a bureau de change, and I'll I'll show you that I can I can do this." And Landry Scott's like, "All right, you go and open your bureau de change, I'll open a better one." And then it, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, credits. But it's like a really yeah. explosive sci-fi credit, it completely unkeeping with what we're about yeah. to see. Yeah. Now I, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a twist on that. I think that. They had a falling. They 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 opened a bureau de change together. Okay. Since the the de- the death cult didn't work. Yeah. They opened a bureau de change together, and there was a a conflict of interest, like that, a difference in how the place should be managed, in how they should manage the staff. Yeah. Um, I think that Lundgren 
has a very authoritarian dictatorial management style mm. whereas i imagine devro would like a more kind of developmental and supportive program of staff development mm. and their disagreement leads to them having an argument and devro's like i'm done with the bureau de charms business you know i was happier back in vietnam so he goes off and he goes i'm going to follow my dream and he goes off to open a pie and mash shop right and he just wants to sell mashed potato. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, it doesn't do very well. And we have a flashback when he's talking about it. He's got a very sad face on. He's talking to camera about how, you know, it, it didn't take off. Restaurants are very hard to open. And then at the worst possible moment when they were really struggling, some guy came in, ate a whole bunch of food and then refused to pay. <laughs> and he yep. just looks at the camera like, uh, and now I, I, I know the damage I caused. And so then Van Damme goes crawling back to Andrew Scott and Andrew Scott's like, no, you're, you're not welcome here. So then Van Damme, in an act of absolute pettiness, opens a rival one opposite, which really gets on it. And I like the idea they just constantly stood at the window, just staring at each other across the high street. Yeah, yeah. Bin binoculars as well. They've both got binoculars, yeah. <laughs> even, yeah. even though they can clearly see each other's stores. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love the fact that um, Devereaux will not let the mashed potato thing go. So every customer that comes in, his kind of incentive for them to use his Bureau de Chance is with every so many pounds converted to euros, um, they get a helping of mashed potato. Not like in a packet, like he just puts a chunk. He's always got a pot on the boiling of, of potato and he just heaps a load onto a, pl a paper plate and gives it to them. And they always bin it. And there could be a shot later on just looking into the bin and just seeing it overflowing with, with paper plates of mashed potato. Um, I think I think Devereaux is a very tragic figure. Yeah. I think he's just haunted by the past. All he wants to do is to feed people mashed potato. I think Andrew Scott as well. He's he's authoritarian, but on the surface, he's, he's basically like... You know, what you, you see like a used car lot, and it, it, it's very much about the person running it. Mm. He's the kind of fl flamboyant showman. So behind the scenes, he's very authoritarian, very shouty. But to the public, he's Mr. Fun. So there's a big cardboard cutout of him outside with both thumbs up, mm. Hawaiian shirt on, sunglasses, um, but a, a necklace of ears. That um, Yeah. And basically, the, the, one of the arguments when Devereaux walked out is that he came behind the counter and, and Andrew Scott's got his necklace of ears. He's like, you've not been doing that again, have you? And he's like, well, yeah, because my staff weren't listening. So they are now. And it's yeah. like, Devil's like, I can't do this anymore. So at, at his slogan, <coughs> the slogan for his thing is like, um, is the, is the quip he makes in the first Universal Soldier is that uh, if you want your currency converted, I'm all ears. Yeah. And it's him. And he's kind of got a necklace of ears. And he's, you remember how like, um, Bobby Ball used to like use his thumbs to on his braces. Yeah. He's got like the ears out like that and smiling. Um, and he's got he, his incentive is to give like the kids of the people that go into the change, like a plast a, a, a toy necklace made with plastic ears. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, which slightly concerns everyone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I yeah. So this this is great. So f uh, who's this woman? And why is she 
at the centre of their rivalry? What is it about her that captures their attention? I think she works either at a local travel agent's or she works... She's just someone who's got a shop on the high street that she's basically... She's used... They've see, she see, she was going on holiday and she's seen that they've got rival rates in the window and mm. she's she's going in there to kind of get her best competitive rates for her, for her exchanged mm. currency. Um, but then Van Damme sees her and instantly falls in love. He has this kind of dream sequence where she's kind of cooking mashed potato and kind of eating it provocatively with a mm. spoon uh, and just got, sees this and goes, do you know what? Now I'm going to piss him off royal i'm gonna woo her as well so yeah. don't even don't even like her no i'm just gonna do it just to get to him just to get piss him off yep absolutely so the point where van damme she comes in to get to, to inquire about the rates and van damme's trying to play it kind of cool and he's like just uh, tell her to come through into my office at the back you know um I'll give her a private kind of meeting and we'll, we'll we'll work something out that's specific to her and she thinks oh that's really good treatment this i really like the personalized approach here but she goes into his office, and his office is basically the lab from the Cybertruck. He's basically <laughs> in a in a in a robotic chair, yeah. completely naked, um, being like doused with CO two gas to keep his um, temperature down. Yeah. And he thinks this is super normal, um, and his his idea, his only frame of reference, the only contact with a woman he's had in his memory, is when he got the the reporter woman to search him for a tracker. Mm. So he's gone like, I've got some bonus uh, euros for you. All you've got, they're hidden about my body, you've got to find them. And he stands up completely naked and she immediately files a harassment complaint <laughs> against him. And he doesn't understand, bless him. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's a man of a different time. Uh, but also... <laughs> horrible person (laughs) I think as well I reckon what's going on is there's some sort of event going on in the high street Mm. Uh, there's like a a weekend where there's like a real carnival or there's some event where basically he's trying to get everyone in and Dolph Lundgren and Andrew Scott and Luke Devereaux are basically competing to put the best show on for their store at this particular weekend so constantly they're trying to one up each other with what they're doing and he gets more yeah, the, and more ridiculous. The the mayor's in town. Uh, the mayor's kind of like, well, they want all the people in the shop fronts. We've reduced your rent for this summer because mm. we're doing a big summer push to get people back into the high street. So anything you can do. Uh, I think the film should end with the the day of the big kind of event. Mm. And this is where they're going to launch there and try and get the customers. So up to that, they've got to have these moments where they're pranking each other. Yeah. So uh, how about this? How about that Lundgren um, somehow sets up or, or, or gets it across to to Van Damme that the way to woo this woman is to do the naked thing? Yeah. Um, and he's like, <laughs> damn you. Um, and then she goes back to him like, I can't believe what that guy just did to Lundgren. He goes, I know, it's 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 mad. It's mad. And then... I like the fact that he goes, anyway, let's... And he takes her to, like, a cupboard to get her a brochure. I, I, I mean, I've never been in a bureau de change. I don't know exactly what, what's in there. I've only, I mean, I know I've, I've 
handled one over the counter. Yeah. I've never been in a shop that's a bureau de change. I don't think I are, but I don't. I don't think they exist anymore. But you know, for the purpose of this film, no. they do. Yeah, he, he goes to a cupboard, opens it, and Van Damme's packed it with dismembered body parts <laughs> of like murdered tramps or something, and they all just fall out around his feet. And he's like, "Oh, death row!" <laughs> uh, and she's horrified. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what other what other pranks could they play on each other? I think as well as pranks, continuously to do up their shop, you just see shots of like, you know, um, you see a shot of like Luke Devereux with binoculars looking out the window, like he's not he's not going to have done this mm. now, as in, and then Dolph Lundgren's pushing a, a mm. shark in a tank down the high street and just looking over at Luke Devereux going, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> and he's like, oh. yeah. <laughs> just ridiculous stuff to one up each other and put on the front of their shop to kind of make it more like appealing to the, but what they think is appealing yeah. to an, to a, to a high street customer. I also like the idea yeah. that there's a, a little effete council worker with a clipboard, he was coming around to check and make sure everyone's ready. And more and more, he gets mm. despairing about what he keeps seeing in the shops, in, in, in their both shops. Yeah. And he makes it clear to them both that if they don't get their shit together and put their differences behind, both of them are going to be evicted from, yeah. from their business units. No one's using it. They do it all on, people do it online, and they go to the little booths in shopping yeah. centres <laughs> at the back of travel agents. No one goes to a Bureau de Change anymore. You're on borrowed time. Get your shit together. Or we're going to replace you with uh, a new Primark and uh, a knockoff KFC shop. All right, get your shit together. So, I what I want then is much the same way as Day of Reckoning. So far, this has just been a kind of mockumentary comedy. Yeah. Uh, about two petty people at each other's throats. But the finale is one of the most violent action sequences <laughs> ever committed to film. Brilliant. Like Van Damme's just pissed off. And I think he's got this great idea. He's got a storage unit full of all these kind of props and special lights. And he's like, it's time I moved on. I'm going to give everyone that walks by one euro. We're going to have a kind of countries of the world kind of theme. Yeah. And he goes to the locker the night before and he opens it and uh, everything's just been trashed. Mm. And he's like, I know who's done this. And so we cut to the next day and Van Damme's shop looks really poor and knackered. Dolph Lundgren's got this wonderful uh, display, everyone in costume. And then just without cutting, Van Damme runs in from frame left and just drop kicks <coughs> Lundgren. <laughs> and the two of them just have, and I think Lundgren's maybe dressed. I imagine like, um, you know, Carmen Miranda, like Castanets and the Fruit. <laughs> He's doing like a Spanish kind of thing. He's dressed like that. I had him and... dressed as a windmill. I don't know what what that looked like. <laughs> just like a with clogs and everything. I know he's like yeah, Dutch, well... but. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then so and then it, it's a single take fight, and they crash through shop windows, <laughs> and they're like fighting their way through charity shops. It's a really, really well produced, well choreographed <laughs> fight. It's got some classic Van Damme moves in there. Um, it's all done with hidden takes, and they're just smashing up the high street, and they're punching bits off each other, and they're grabbing fire axes and hit, lopping bits off of each other. And it's really brutal and all the kids are crying and everything's screwed up. And then they finish and they're literally strangling each other. And they look up and there's 
the woman at the centre of all this. And next to her is the guy with the clipboard just shaking his head. Um, and then both shops close down. And then they, the two of them are sat around a table. Um, Lundgren's still kind of dressed in whatever costume. He's all <laughs> dishevelled and covered in blood. Uh, Van Damme looks a mess. And like the interviewer, it's the first time we hear the interviewer's voice. He's like, what do you think this is really about, guys? And they're like, I don't know. I think we're just locked in this cycle of violence. And I think, well, how are you going to get out of it? Well, I think the only way is to kind of bury our differences and do something different. And they kind of look at each other. And then we cut to Dolph Lundgren as the manager of the new Primark <laughs> and Van Damme running a chicken shop with little pots of mashed potato as a side dish. Brilliant. Which people think is quirky and interesting, as opposed to a, a a shop that just sells mashed potato, and they're loving it. Van Damme's in his element. He's got a little chef's hat on, um, <laughs> and he does a little thing where he, he gets a bit of mashed potato and just pops it on his nose and has a giggle. Yeah. And Lundgren's um, loving. He's got a uniform again. Yeah. Uh, he's got. He's running a franchise, so it's pretty structured and ordered. Yeah. Um, and they're happy as Larry. And they look out the window and they wave at each other. And yep. then we end. Brilliant. Can Van Damme, it cut to the back of Van Damme and he's just got a little apron on, but he's got no trousers on. So you just see bare yep. ass. Yes. And it's pristine. Yep. No, not a mark upon it. No. If you put a coin on it, the coin would just fly off because there's yeah. no friction. Yep. It would just launch yep. like it's been flicked or yep. catapulted. Uh, Nothing can get purchase upon it. It's got no... <laughs> it defies physics. Absolutely. Brilliant. Can I make one request? In yeah. going Rolling back to the fight scene, can there be... A, I don't yeah. know how it's going to happen, but Van Damme, outside of his shop, has set up two dishes, like big steel dishes of mashed potato. But yeah. obviously, to move them around, they're on wheels. Yeah. So basically, there's a scene, and this high street's at the top of a hill, like a brow of a hill. So they're right at the mm. top. And there's a scene where uh, basically Lundgren takes a swing at Van Damme. Van Damme does his classic, the splits, and puts one leg mm. each on each mashed potato uh, steel tin. But then Lundgren does a sweep kick, knocks the, the, the kind of pedestals away from the, uh, the 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 wheels and basically Van Damme's doing the splits on these two tins of mashed potatoes, these two steel mm. drums of mashed potatoes as they're wheeling down the high street and as he's wheeling down the high street, yeah. everything he's kind of, he's, he's doing the splits, it's getting wider and wider and he's just catching his balls on everything, like all these little things set up like cactuses, bollards um, small children <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah just a lot, smashing into his testicles gurning away, yeah yeah, love it. I also think it'd be good if at some point, just as an ode to Day of Reckoning, they, they managed to pick up some kind of solid bat or club, um, like a cricket bat and a baseball bat, and as they're swinging them and missing, they're just knocking their heads off passers-by. Yeah. Like, just heads are exploding left and right as they're swinging round. They're not smashing like ornaments. They're literally just popping people's heads like fucking grapes as they swing round. Um, it's an absolute bloodbath. I think actually, what we could do, we could, we could end on this. The the little council worker with his clipboard could come in um, as they're waving to each other and look over the road, 
and just kind of on his clipboard, cross something out, and they both go out with aluminium baseball bat, swing at the same time, smash his head from either side, and it explodes, yeah. and it stops as a freeze frame with them both smashing it, looking into the camera and smiling as his heads, this bloke's head's exploding. Yeah, like scanners. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Who could play Absolutely the officious councilman? So I think... Um, it's got to be someone who wants his head to get smashed open with a baseball bat. I'm thinking, who's an annoying kind of bureaucratic English person? Oh, Who, Who's basically an English William Atherton is what we need to think about. Yeah. I think back in the day, Chris Bar- Barry as, you know, Rimmer oh, would be yeah. good. But I don't know whether... Oh. Or there's got to be someone. I mean, like if if we if it was if it was back in the day, it'd be Blakey from On the Buses, wouldn't it? All, all day long. <laughs> um, all day long. Uh, Who could it be? Or someone yeah. like Ar- Arthur Lowe, or someone like that. Yeah. Just a real pen-pushing prick. So unless we have someone <laughs> in Blakey prosthetic makeup, <laughs> like a bow selector uh, head. <laughs> Um, I th- oh, I think I've got one. I've got it. Go on. Again, a bit off off field, but I can imagine him being more smarmy than kind of officious. Mm. Nigel Havers. Yes. Like yeah. cr- cravat, clipboard. Yeah. Right, right guys. Let's, uh, you know, we, we need to be careful here. Just really smarmy and just fucking annoying. I, I like, yeah, so very pompous, very yeah. smarmy, but trying to... Be at their level. Yeah. Come on, fellas. Yeah. But being condescending, bit pretentious. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Massive Love cravat. It. Cravat like a Wimbledon jacket, uh, kind of trousers, but like baseball shoes. He thinks he's like really, really cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Drives an open top sports car, and he ends up getting off with the woman. Yes. Much to Devro's chagrin. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, that should that should be the that should be the colon, Devro's chagrin. Oh, <laughs> 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 well, there we go. It's changed already, just like that. Inappropriate behaviour. Universal soldier, Devro's chagrin. <laughs> and the love it. The cover could be so shit. It could be Nigel Havers just kind of kind of smooching with this woman on the high street and him, Devereaux, just peeping out of a shop looking really fucking annoyed with a baseball yeah. bat in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or or it's it's John Cavadam sat in a chair with his hand sort of, his, his head on his hand or in his hands and round the back there's people poking at the door like Dolph Lundgren Nigel Havers round a corner all kind of laughing at him like it's Porky's or something and he's just looking really depressed at the front yeah brilliant I also like the fact that because at the end we've got Longram managing a Primark and then Devereaux managing a, a fast food shop what have they both what could they both have they could both have headsets but they could be those eye things from Universal Soldier so you know those kind of like robotic eyes they could just yes. wear them <laughs> No, yeah. they've got, it's got no function in the jobs that they've got, but they've both still got them on. Love it. Someone could come up to uh, 
Andrew Scott in Primark and go, um, have you got the, uh, you know, the, the dress, the flowery dress in a size 12? And it cuts to his eyepiece and it's like, you know, the Terminator style is selecting like, do, 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 do. Yeah. yes, it's in stock, madam. I'll go and get it for you now. Would you, are you interested in our lovely array, array of Primark branded necklaces? <laughs> yeah, brilliant. And yeah. it cuts to longer and going to the stock room and it's just like lots of hanging meat and dead soldiers. As well as a lot yeah. of t a lot of t shirts. No, I, I like the fact that he's his arc could be that he's he's still pissed off that the Universal Soldiers as a group of people are much maligned and he's in, created a programme that gets them into work. So all of his entry level retail jobs in the Primark branch are all staffed by massive fucking Universal Soldiers. <laughs> These yes. huge hulking guys. It's just helping people try on clothes. Yeah. And you know they give out the little when you go to the change rooms, the little number with like how many clothes you've got. They give the given that, and they're huge. These hulking guys. Yeah. And out the back, they're just all hanging up on meat hooks for cooling down. And can they all wear the eye, the kind of eye laser things that they've got? Yeah, absolutely. Brilliant. But I do like the fact that maybe Lundgren's necklaces are for the hard of hearing. Maybe they've got like, uh, like a microphone thing, so they're for people to speak into. So they're actually. <laughs> He's reversed it and he's, uh, you know, have a happy ending. Yep. Um, Devro's Chagrin. There you go. Universal Soldier, Devro's Chagrin. <laughs> Love it. Um, fantastic. So, oh my God, what lessons have we learned from Day of Reckoning? Jesus. Um, um, your family are probably going to be murdered in their sleep. <laughs> oh. War paint. If you've, if you think, you know, all of a sudden you think, oh, do you know what? I might be enhanced. I might have a bit of enhancement going <laughs> on. Just pick up a bat, yeah. swing at your enemy. Mm. Chances are you'll smash his head open like a fucking egg. Test of strength right there. Yeah, this is a kind of sub-lesson. This won't appear in the Justice Seekers manual, Justice 101, but it is good advice anyway. If you own a sports shop, maybe keep your various sporting goods kind of locked down yeah. you know like on a chain or something just as a as a as a maybe a then maybe as well as the justice manual 101 we we release a advisory pamphlet mm. um to these business owners just just in case a fight breaks out between you know enhanced soldiers in your shop put the dangerous stuff away and the pamphlet has like loads of drawings on there about where they could put it and what would happen if you know Someone gets their head smashed in. Yeah. I'll tell you what I will say. And again, I don't want to give anything away, so I'm going to make this kind of a subtle illusion. But um, just just from personal experience, unless it's Danny DeVito, if you've got a twin, it's evil. Yeah, oh, all day long. Just fucking kill it. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Unless you're the evil one, in which case killing them is still appropriate because you're evil. Exactly. So yeah, win, if you have win. a twin, kill it. Destroy <laughs> it. Burn it. Um, that could be a pamphlet as well. Yeah, how to burn your twin. <laughs> <laughs> I think tonally that's suitable place to end considering the film we've been talking about today. Um, what a gift we are to you. What more could you want? What more could you want? And that's a rhetorical question. Don't you dare fucking tell us. Yeah. Because this is all you're getting. <laughs> this is it. Every week. This Every fucking it. week. This is as good as it gets. You prick. <laughs> <laughs>